News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning and welcome to this new year, 2022. That's correct, right? 2022? <laughs> I have to remember that. It's uh, Time goes by so quick, you know, when you're starting to get older, you don't, don't understand, you know, like things go by a lot quicker than, than they did when you're a lot younger. So, uh, but 2022, Happy New Year, everybody. Um, if you'd like to join me and uh, give me a call, one 332 8255 And that's either calling me or text that you can do that either way with the same number, one 332 8255 Jill is away today. She's out in British Columbia, out near Big White right now. And so she doesn't have very good cell phone service. So uh, we had a look at that this morning, but she uh, not having great cell phone service. So, so I'll be doing it all alone today, and uh, we got lots of things to talk about. But you know what? I, it's more fun talking to you. So just make sure you give me a text or a call at that one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five because that's what it's all about. This is um, a, this is a talk show. So it's uh, um, I like to listen to what your comments are and and what you thought about this year and what you think about what's going to happen this next year for you and uh, and maybe you have some different things that are happening uh, in your home even right now. Um, with trying up to grow some things and and what you're thinking about now is um, you're going to start in the next week or so you're going to start you know going back to the to the garage or or maybe to that spot in the basement or in the shed you're going to pull out some of your seed starting supplies and thinking about you know what what you're going to get started for this year. Um, one thing about what we're going to do uh, this year is that you know now. It, Yesterday, uh, my wife and I, uh, we took down the Christmas tree and all the decorations and I put the Christmas tree outside. So, and I started thinking about, you know, where, what I was going to do with that Christmas tree, whether I'm going to just cut it up and use it as mulch or, or bring it to the one of the recycling places. So there's lots of recycling places right around the province. So you can check that out, uh, all over the place and just check out your local, um, um, your local towns or, uh, cities and where you have like in, um, uh, and in um, in Saskatoon, you have up on Avenue J and 17th Street, there's Dukabor Society has a place to dump it off there in Saskatoon. George Ward Pool, the parking lot there here, uh, the golf course at Holiday Park. Uh, there's a place in um, there's uh, in Lawson Heights Recyclable on Primrose, the uh, University Heights area. There's the there's the uh, the recycle area uh, that you can do there uh, in Regina. It's the Fleet Street landfill is the place. Uh, basically, most also all these places seem to be open right up until the end of January, so you can get it taken away there. Um, um, Moose Jaw, it looks like you'll have some pickup of a lot of a lot of the trees in your backyard starting around January 18th to 29th, uh, or you can drop them off at the um, at the uh, Yara Center. There's a place there, there's a bike park there that you can drop it off. Swift Current looks like a Northside Innovation Center, the Uniplex. A uh, nice place right there. You can drop it off. I guess they have a spot in the parking lot there or the water fill station um, over there as well. Uh, east Side Landfill, um, North Battleford, North Battleford, uh, the park shop on 8th Avenue. Um, so there's lots of places all around and, and every town has usually has a, um, um, a transfer station or and then they have a recycle spot as well. So there's lots of places you can you can do that or you can uh, I know there's lots of fundraisers around the whole province of people that will pick your, you know, hockey teams and 
soccer teams and everything else that will pick your trees up. And I know there's uh, um, Robin Adair here in Saskatoon with Arborcrest. He will come and pick it up and actually chip it up and uh, in his truck, and he gives the money to the food bank as well. So there's lots of fundraisers out there as well uh, that can pick it up so you don't have to put it into your car if you don't want to. And um, so that, that works as well. So lots and lots of choices, or you can just, you know, uh, put it out into the yard and, and later on in the spring you can always just you know cut it up and and uh, and use it as mulch or use it in your fire pit or lots of places like you can use to recycle that that tree that way just make sure when you take it to the recycling bins uh, depots if you take it out obviously a lot of people put the christmas tree bags over top of it so they don't get all the needles in the car or something like that when they haul it away so make sure you take that that bag um off the tree when you get to the the, the place and then make sure just do a last last check that there's no uh, tinsel on them or any any other decorations you might have forgot on them that you missed that are dropping out and uh, just so that you know a lot, a lot of the plastic that you'll see on on the bags and that just doesn't doesn't look too good in, in when they start put, chipping up the trees and putting them into the um, uh, into the shrub beds and that kind of stuff around the towns and cities. So, so make sure you do your part and clean that up. And uh, uh, a lot of the bags now are, are actually um, they're biodegradable, so you can take them home and and you can put them into your garbage bin, and they will break down a lot better than most plastics will. So. Um, one thing we can do is uh, we'll be talking about, uh, after the break here, we're going to be talking about the about New Year's resolutions and the year in review. Um, so we're going to be talking about what the kind of things that happened this last year and what kind of things uh, that uh, looks like what might be coming down the pipe for next year. Um, just remember also, um, there's still a lot of, uh, if you're into bird watching and that, so there's still a lot of places that are still doing the bird watching. I know that today is, a, well, it's a beautiful day around most of Saskatchewan. It looks like we're having one day when uh, it's not quite so so cold. So you can get out there, uh, Borden, Radisson area, uh, January the 2nd, that's today, so you can get out there and um, and check that out as well. And also Pike Lake, uh, Whitecap area in, around Saskatoon is gonna be tomorrow. So you can check out the, um, the, the Saskatchewan Nature Society. Uh, they they also have in the Saskatoon Nature Society, Regina Nature Society, but you can also just check the Saskatchewan Nature Society, and it has a lot of places where you can do that check if you live in those areas. There's a place that even you can just watch out their backyard or do a little walk around to the local park that you have, and then there's a place where you can record uh, online uh, what you saw and be a part of the uh, the Christmas bird count right across the the uh, the year the um, the province here. And also not just across the provinces, right across North America. Uh, there's people doing that during this Christmas time too. Uh, as we know that uh, bird watching in the outdoor parts of, of the yards and, and parks and everything else, bird watching and bird feeding is becoming one of the largest growing uh, outdoor activities uh, that's related to sort of the garden in the backyard in North America today. So it's um, it's interesting that, that you're seeing that a lot more. Um, also, don't forget uh, that you, this, this new year we're coming also, if you really want to get to know your garden and, and learn more about that, the University of Saskatchewan uh, has a lot of online seminars. Uh, a lot of them are, are could be either just one session or they'd be multiple sessions and they're not that expensive. And so you can do them right online. Some of them are live webinars and some of them are are um, uh, ones that you can just take on demand as well. So check that out, uh, University of Saskatchewan online seminars, and uh, or yeah, you can check that out, the you know, University of Horticulture, and um, there's lots of, of great seminars. And I've also noticed even on Facebook, there's been a lot of um, 
uh, local um, horticulture societies right across that are ramping up now and giving lots of good information. So one way uh, that you can be a part of a horticulture society, just join their Facebook sites. Um, there's Take a look at the Facebook sites. There's lots of great information and lots of great pictures and of different kind of gardens all over the world they're putting in. And, and a lot of this, a lot of local uh, knowledge too about um, about what you can learn in your area that that is relevant because those local horticulture societies uh, have those kind of uh, same issues that you have and they're and they're actually putting little uh, write-ups about them uh, we've seen a lot even the last little bit uh, Sarah Williams has been writing up a lot of different uh, things and since last Christmas she was writing up some a whole bunch of little items on, on on Christmas cactuses and and all different types of the poinsettias and and all different types of things as well and that's a great uh, if you check the Facebook sites uh, you'll see a lot of that as well and um, and uh, so you'll see lots of great information about local people around here so after we come back from the break uh, we'll talk about more about the year in review and what we can do to get ready for next year. I'm Rick Van Damenick. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good Sunday morning. Welcome to Garden Talk and welcome to 2022. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for listening and joining us at Garden Talk. Uh, I'd like you to join me. Uh, I'd love you to join me at one 877 And you can do that by either calling the, the phone and, and asking, asking a question, or you can ask a question on your text too by one 877 And we did have one call, uh, text here from Ken, Ken in Regina. I'm growing 20 coleus cuttings. Most of them are approximately three and a half inches tall and grow lights. How tall should they grow before I slow them down? And I want to make them last to plant in, in basically right at the end of May, beginning of June, uh, depending on the frost and that. So uh, um, basically what you can do is that uh, just keep those grow lights right close to the plant. So that'll help so that they don't uh, stretch too much. But if they're three inches, three and a half inches tall right now, you probably want to keep them fairly short and stubby. So you may want to let them grow maybe about an inch or so more. And other than that, because the coleus can grow pretty tall. And so you maybe even grow, you know, maybe one or two inches taller. And then I would, I would just try to keep them at that stage if you can. Um, some of the coleus are going to stretch on you. So watch your biggest thing you're going to do when you're putting a lot of those plants and they've rooted already is that um, you want to make sure they got lots of light. So he's done right by putting the grow lights there. And so give them lots of light. Keep that light closer. You don't want them up high up in the ceiling or not. You want them down close to the plant. And uh, also you want to watch your fertilizer. Don't use a high phosphorus. So the second number, you got nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. The second number is the phosphorus. If you use too high of a phosphorus, like a lot of people like when they're starting new plants, they might want to use a 10, 52, 10 or 15, 30, 15. Uh, that second number uh, at a 52 or uh, a 30 is way too high and you're going to make those plants stretch. The phosphorus will make the plants stretch like crazy. So you want to get that phosphorus down really low, like one or two if you can. So that's why even using uh, more of an or, you know organic fertilizer, using the alfalfa pellets or something like that, something where you don't have a very high uh, night phosphorus content, uh, be way better in keeping your plants. Like we in the greenhouse, we use a 20 uh, 220 or sometimes a 2820 uh, in the greenhouse. So we try to keep that uh, that that phosphorus down as much as we can. 
So it keeps the plants from stretching so much. So um, very important. And uh, so, Ken, good luck with that. And uh, those coleus cuttings, yeah, they can stretch on you. But it looks like you're doing the right thing. The biggest thing for you is to grow lights to make sure they... And you know what? Uh, also, when you're doing plants like that, is this a little fan, a little battery-powered fan. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to make hurricane-force winds or anything like that. It's just a light little breeze, just so that you can see the leaves just just quiver just a little bit, moving a bit. Uh, that, that movement will do two things. One, you'll, you'll have a lot less problems with fungals and all those kind of things as well. But also, it'll just it's like giving calisthenics to the plant. The plant just moves a little bit more, and it's just you're mimicking what would happen if you had that plant outside, and it was, you know, in the summertime. You got the wind blowing around, the plant's moving, and, and you, the plant just does way better. It, uh, it has stronger stems on it, and also, um, and also you just keep any, any fungals at bay that might be coming from the soil or other plants or, and that kind of stuff. So, so put that little fan around there. Like I said, it just has to be a tiny little battery powered fan or something like that. Something that, or if you've got a fan, a bigger fan that you have at home, a little oscillating fan, stick it in the far side of the room and just sort of direct it that direction. So just so you see the leaves just moving just a slight very much. And, and that's with your, whether you're starting your seeds or you have a plant like a house plant, um, it's just a great way of, uh, of having those plants be, you have way better success if, if you're doing that as well. So um, good luck with that, Ken, and um, and like you to join me in more co- questions like that, like Ken had here, uh, give me a call or text at one 332 Some of the things that happened this year and... Um, uh, the spring, if everyone remembers, the spring was fairly late this year, um, so we never really got into the garden as quick as we wanted to, unless we started using, you know, a lot of uh, crop covers or little tiny little greenhouses with little white fabric over top of it. Um, uh, so spring, spring was a bit late. Uh, you remember there was a potato shortage and even some seed shortages. That that was a big problem this last year. Um, so we saw. Um, but we also saw in the last couple of years, because of the whole um, uh, COVID, we saw record numbers of, of people getting into gardening. And what's been very interesting is that we've seen uh, a lot of the age group of, of, the, of the gardeners coming down. And so more younger people are getting into gardening, younger couples and getting into gardening. And that's a good thing. We saw people, you know, wanting to grow their own food. And uh, so... Uh, we're, we're seeing that now this year. I think we'll see that even more in the next coming year because, you know, you, as as uh, as transportation problems are coming, and we're seeing a lot of that here uh, when we're purchasing at the garden center, we're seeing a lot of transportation issues and, and the fees for transportation are just going up through the roof. And so you're seeing that, you know, as, as especially in the wintertime, when we get all our vegetables and everything else from, from other, other places like California or Florida and those kind of places, because we just don't have the growing season here, um, you're going to see transportation costs and you're going to see the cost of food just going up just because of, of just transportation and, uh, and the cost of fuel and everything else. So, um, um, so make sure that uh, the, we're seeing that's why we think we're seeing a lot of people wanting to grow their own potatoes in their garden, grow their own tomatoes and peas and carrots. And, and, I, and I can see that a lot of people are even starting, I see even some of the stores are starting to, the canning supplies, you're seeing more and more of that kind of stuff in the, in the stores in the fall as well, as well. So I think you might see a lot of people getting into preserving and getting into growing their gardens and getting all those uh, vegetables there. So we've seen, uh, talking to even people in the... Um, 
uh, in the lumber yards, uh, they say it's been a record in the last couple of years of of wood for for building decks and building um, um, raised gardens and all those kind of things. So we're seeing a big uptake in those kind of things where people are spending a lot more time in their backyards and improving their backyards. Um, like I said, patios, planters, they're planting trees and shrubs, they're planting fruit plants. We're seeing a huge uptake with that as well. Uh, with the fruit plants, is that uh, and there's there's going to be a shortage of that this next couple, of the, this, at least in this next year for sure. Um, some of the smaller fruit plants not so bad, but more the tall, the, the more larger fruit plants like Saskatoons and and currants and gooseberries and and hascaps and uh, sour cherries. Uh, just because there's been such a huge uptake on those kind of plants that uh, we're seeing a shortage right across the whole Western Canada right now. So, but because because a lot of people are wanting to plant a plant with a purpose, and a plant with a purpose is not just uh, for the nice flowers and that, but they want to get they want to benefit from what that plant's creating, and and so they're putting a shrub in that uh, like a has cap that grows five or six feet tall because it gives uh, gives good structure and good uh, softens up the landscape, but also they can get the the fruit from that plant as well. And uh, and when they're looking at a at a tree. Uh, that they want some privacy and they might look at an apple tree or a plum tree because it'll give you a great privacy because they'll grow 12 to 17, 18 feet tall. So it'll give you lots of privacy and lots of, you know, uh, from that, but also you can pick the fruit from it later on. So we're seeing a lot of what I call plants with a purpose. So a lot of the fruit trees, uh, we're seeing a huge uptake in that kind of stuff as well. Um, one thing we saw this year too is that, um, in the, in the commercial wise, uh, larger trees, like trees with caliper, like a, uh, uh, a caliper trunk of, of a, you know, around two to inches or more. We're seeing a shortage of that as well. So, um, we're seeing the prices of that go up quite a bit because they're just not around. I mean, once because of the pandemic, people started planting a lot more. I mean, a bigger tree like that, uh, you can't grow, uh, right away. I mean, it's, it's going to take you three or four or five years to get a bigger tree to grow that, that large. So, um, we're, you can see the small tree is not going to be a problem. The, the, the smaller in a five gallon pot is maybe, you know, uh, three quarters inch in, in diameter, the trunk. I mean, there's lots of those around, but it's the bigger trees that we're seeing, uh, a, a more of an issue with. And also the, even the larger spruce trees, um, like the Colorado spruce or the white spruce, we're seeing a bit of a shortage there as well. Come and join me right after the break here. We're going to take a break. And I'm Rick Van Dominick. You're listening on Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Dominick. I'd like you to join me uh, this this week and uh, with any of your gardening or seed starting or house plant issues you may have or uh, some things that you had going on in your garden last year that you just had some questions that you just need to figure out how we're going to do it better this year. So one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five, and you can do that by either calling me or by texting, and it's the same number one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. So um, one thing that a lot of people have been asking me right now is that they had they got these amaryllis bulbs, whether they had them for a long time or they've had them for gifts. And what do I do with them now that they're starting to, um, you know, finish blooming now? And so um, I know ours in our house are still blooming, so they're still great. They're still putting out lots of vibrant color in that. But once they do, once the flowers do uh, start com- coming off, is that one thing you can do is that don't cut off that main stem. Don't be in a hurry. 
you want all the energy from that stem, that, that green stalk going up there, uh, to go back into the energy from that, go back into the bulb again. So wait till it turns almost brown and it starts to curl over, basically. Uh, so just leave it the way it is, and then once it turns brown, then you can trim it off just right up where where you saw where the the bulb was where it started from from the very beginning. So it's just uh, as you can trim that off. Uh, also, and then then that way there'll be there'll probably by this time there'll be leaves coming out um, out of the base as well if you don't have leaves already, and then you can make sure you move that plant into a nice bright as bright a spot as you can, and uh, and then the emeralds will be. Perfect for for uh, for just just treating like a house plant, so you don't want to overwater it. Just water it just just slightly each time. You don't want to. It's a bulb, remember? So we don't want to rot that bulb. So just just keep it watered every once in a while, and um, keep it in a bright spot. Uh, watch your registers and those kind of things because you don't want to dry it out that quickly. So uh, so that's that's you have to check how much watering you have to do depending on where you have it. But we also had a lot of people that bought. Uh, there's a new trend that's happened in the past probably three years is is the emeralds bulbs when you buy them they come in a wax coating and they come in red silvers and golds and all that kind of stuff and so you don't need a pot you just set it on top of the table and up it grows and has a nice flower and everything else so what do I do with it after it finished blooming so same thing uh, once the flowers are done just pick off the flower heads off of it leave that stem until basically it, it it basically dries down. Now what you can do now is that you can, uh, now that it's finished blooming, you can peel that that wax off and just very carefully, just like you're peeling an onion, just peel it back uh, and then there'll be a wire at the bottom. And then you just take that wire off and then you basically just be, just be as careful as you can because there'll be some roots in amongst that, that bottom part. So just very carefully take off that, that wax and then that wire and then plant it into a pot, probably about a six or eight inch pot uh, is perfect size for, for that type of a bulb. And then just put it into a bright spot again and, and the leaves will come out again as well. And, uh, then you can enjoy that for years to come with that bulb as well. So, uh, um, that's the big, biggest thing. Don't water too much when you plant it because there again, the roots aren't totally developed yet. And so then you can overwater an elmer bulb, especially before it roots. So it just watch, um, just stick your finger into the soil and the soil should be totally dry to the touch uh, before you even put any more water in as well. If there's any moisture at all, don't don't water that amaryllis bulb at all. So, so if you got those amaryllis, uh, and then even next next summer, uh, a great plant to be able to put out into the uh, into the garden. Uh, put that pot out in a, in a place where it's not in the bright hot hot sun, but maybe a little bit of shade. And just water it every once in a while. I mean, mine, basically what I did this last year, I couldn't do that. But normally I would just leave, put it outside and let this whatever rain uh, got it um, be able to take care of it that way. But this last year we didn't get much rain. So you're going to have to supplement some water with it as well and make sure that the pot has a good spot where it can drain as well. So that, um, or some people plant it right into the garden. And then in the fall, basically around September long weekend, they dig it up and they repot it up and bring it inside as well. So a lot of people have had amaryllis bulbs for many, 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 many years. So um, uh, that's a great plant you can keep for year after year after year. And it's fun, fun to do. So um, also I've noticed people have been uh, in, in my yards is I've noticed that um, that with this cold weather, 
the deer have been moving in as well. So make sure that you watch for your, your, the deer in your yards that they're not going to be eating some of your, your shrubs that you might, or even especially some of the trees, but they start chewing on the bark. So especially if you have fruit trees or flowering crabs or some lindens or some mountain ash, uh, those kind of plants, uh, the deer just love the best, even the, even the cherries. They love the cherries. So just make sure you might have to put some snow fencing around them or something like that just to keep the deer away from them. Um, and so they'll be there like crazy right now. Even the rabbits are, I noticed the rabbits even in my yard, they were starting to eat some of the lilacs. So they don't eat, usually go after the lilacs unless they're, they're pretty hungry. So uh, with this cold weather, um, that's quite this one thing you have to watch for. Um, also this year, um, we've noticed that, uh, that now that you've, everybody's taken down their Christmas, um, the decorations and, you see the Christmas tree out in the front front yard now has been thrown out the door, and now the house looks kind of bare. So now we also revert back to our our regular house plants, and and we also remember, oh yeah, we had those house plants. We stuck them back in a different corner. We moved to a different place because because of the Christmas tree. So now is a great time to take those house plants and just take a really good look at them. Do some scouting on them and look for insects like like spider mite. And what do I do with spider mites? Uh, so one thing to watch is spider mites really hard to see. You'll see really, really fine webbing in the, in the stems and right against the stems and on the backside of the leaves. And so it's not like a big web that goes from branch to branch. These are just tiny webs that are just, you almost, and to see the spider mite, you almost need a, a magnifying glass. If you have a magnifying glass, you'll see these little specks moving around. And, um, and if you do have them, the best thing to do with that then is just put some plastic over top of the pot itself, the dirt, and take that plant to the shower and give it a good rinse. Um, and that's with anything, whether you've got aphids or mealybug or, or spider mite, uh, give it a good rinse uh, in the shower or the bathtub. Uh, if you have one of those hand wands uh, that you can rinse it off with, you can sort of put your plant over on its side. So I'm not trying to saturate the soil. Remember, I want to protect that from being too wet and just wash it down and you'll wash some of those bugs off. And then you can take some... Uh, while it's sitting in the shower or in the bathtub, you can take some Endol. Endol is a canola oil, insecticide soap, and a little bit of pyrethrin. And uh, you can give it a good spray, upside, you know, underside of the leaves, everything. Give it a good soak so that you saturate every part of that leaf with the, with the Endol. And, or even just an insecticidal soap will even work. And then that way you can just let it sit there, uh, let it let it dry for a bit, let it drip dry for a bit, and then you can move back out into the uh, into the house. Now, um, it parts the house. Uh, also with aphids, um, especially if you have hibiscus, uh, they're going to be right around the buds and all that kind of stuff. So if you have a lot of what I tell people to do, if they have a lot of insects that are, whether it be spider mite or or aphids. And, and you have a flowering plant like a hibiscus, just pull all the flowers off, pick them all off. Uh, they'll come back again uh, because that's where they're all hanging out. There'll be eggs and everything else around them. So the best way to just pick those off. And uh, and even for things like hibiscus, it's a great time now to give it a pruning. Hibiscus love to be pruned. You can, you can prune that, that hibiscus. Let's say you have a tree that's six feet tall. You can, you can prune it back. Basically, at almost two feet, you can almost prune it back to. So take the stems and prune them right back, just like you would do a tree out in the yard. It's not any different. And they, this time of the year, they'd love that because they're a little more dormant at this time of the year. And then give them some fertilizer and, and give them some bright light and uh, some, some direct light if you can, especially uh, the flowering plants. And they'll just come right back again and they'll be great. So um, um, also with, uh, with uh, mealybug, uh, the little white little fuzzy bugs in there, the 
best way to get rid of that one if you see it uh, is just actually with a cotton um, Q-tip and a little bit of alcohol and just dab them. Uh, it's one of the best ways to get rid of them and it seems to take care of them that way the best. Uh, there again in the shower, just washing them off and, uh, and it just cleans all the dust off the plants and everything else and just, they just seem to, to like that little shower as well. Well, we're going to come back after the break and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, what we see coming on this new year. I'm Rick Van Damdyke and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CCOM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk and Happy New Year to every each one of you. Uh, this is going to be hopefully a, a new year for everybody. Hopefully we get uh, past the, this uh this pandemic and we uh, we can move our lives forward. So that's what we're all hoping for, for a new 222, 2022. So I have a few um, texts here we're going to get through. Uh, we have here, um, I'm wondering if I should give my plants uh, some fertilizer spikes this time of the year. Um, fertilizer spikes, yeah, that would be fine. Uh, a lot of the fertilizer spikes don't have a very high nitrogen because they're a slow release. And that would work. The only thing with the the fertilizer spikes that that, I, that I've noticed is that um, they just have uh, most of them have just um, NPK nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium in them. So what you one may want to do is just get yourself a a little bit of an organic fertilizer as well. The alfalfa pellets, if you can find them, it's just perfect. You just lay a little bit over top of the soil, and every time you water, uh, it will go past the fertilizer pellets and also the the, the plant spikes because the fertilizer the the uh, the organic fertilizers and also the alfalfa pellets have all those other micronutrients like boron and zinc and magnesium. All those other ones looks like you would take a vitamin one a day type of thing and it gives you all those different vitamins which are very crucial for plant health and for that plant to do be a lot happier. And uh, so um, so that what you can do with that is just like I said, just spikes is fine. It'll just slow release every time you water, but you just may want to add also some of that other uh, organic fertilizer and don't need very much of it, just a little bit just to help supplement it as well with the other type of micronutrients. Uh, also, we had here Sam and Regina. Uh, I had a tomato plant, an unknown variety given to me. It produced 18 tomatoes, which we picked green in September. We are eating the last two that have ripened. Good job while well, we're here at New Year's and you're still having some some of your fruit that you had from the garden. That's awesome. Uh, looks like Sam wants to try to uh, use the seeds from this tomato. Will they be viable? Yeah, they should be viable, Sam. So uh, one thing you can do is that... Um, um, you can just take a few of those tomato seeds if you want and just put them between some, uh, just dry them. First of all, if you, if they're still in the tomato, dry them first and then, uh, and then put them in between after that, put them in between some, uh, some wet paper towel and just do a little germination test with them. And then they should sprout probably within basically seven days, seven to 10 days. And then you'll be able to, uh, um, be able to check that out and, and, um, then other you can take those little sprouts and start planting them in your, in your garden, in your, um, in your plot plots. And then, uh, one thing you gotta remember is once you do plant those, uh, seeds, uh, the best way to get the best germination of all your seeds is to have some kind of a bottom heat. Okay, so using a tray uh, or individual pots, whatever, put that dome over top. Uh, a lot of your dome, you're just trying to keep humidity in. When you're watering, I like using a mister to water those plants when I'm seeding. Uh, I don't like using a watering can. Uh, the mister is good enough. Uh, then you're not disturbing the soil or displacing the seeds that you're planting because the seeds aren't very far underneath the soil. They're almost at the top of the soil. And so just using a mister to keep it moist and... Um, 
that dome stays on top only until basically 65 to 70 percent of the seeds have germinated then you take the dome right off because otherwise you can get some other fungals happening so but bottom heat is key so there's lots of uh, heat mats you can get that fit underneath your trays or your pots uh, putting that heat mat underneath will just make you have a, a way better success uh, on starting all your seeds up. So you can try that out, Sam, and uh, good luck with with those tomatoes. I uh, also have another one from Johanna and Esteban. Uh, how often should I fertilize my peace lily? It hasn't shot up blooms for months, but looks healthy otherwise. So yeah, you can. Um, one thing it'll, fertilizing would be a great thing to do with the peace lily. There again, uh, using. Um, an organic type fertilizer or even have a 20-20-20, but then supplementing with another organic on top of that. It'll just give you all those micronutrients. But uh, one thing, peace lilies, um, they don't need direct sunlight, but just it, to bloom, uh, give them every once in a while, give them just a, a bit of uh, bright light. So uh, the if they're if you find that they're in, they look healthy, but if you find that they're in... Um, um, in a north-facing room or east-facing room, just try to move them so that they get as much light as you can, uh, then they will bloom for you. But yeah, that fertilizer will help them to uh, to help push up another some more blooms as well. So um, that's easy thing to do with that, and that's with all those plants. Just make sure uh, you get out there, and that's good thing people are, are checking their house plants now because <laughs> the Christmas is gone, uh, fertilizing the plants uh, in the wintertime. You're basically fertilizing the plants once a month, okay? Um, uh, unless you put a slow-release fertilizer like that fertilizer spike in it, then you'd only need to do that once during the during the winter time because it'll just slow release, slowly releases fertilizer. Um, or otherwise, even with alfalfa pellets, I just spread some over the top of the soil. Or I, you make a tea if you want, but otherwise put some over top of the soil, and every time you water, it just takes a little bit of those nutrients down to the, to the roots. Um, so fertilizing once a month in the winter time, and then as we start getting closer to the end of March, then we can start increasing that fertilizer to basically every two weeks, and uh, and then the, the plants will do great. And then as as we get uh, even into um, when you want to put them outside and you want to get lots of growth, you can probably uh, there you can probably go down to you know every every week as well. So um, just to make the plants. Um, um, Grow a lot, but just you're going to go down to if you're going to go to every week, you want to make sure that you're um, you're at least about three or four waterings between each fertilizing. That's that's key. And then if you want to fertilize more, just make sure you use a weaker solution. So look at the directions. Let's say you're using 20-20-20, and it may say if you're using it more often, just go to if, it's, if it tells you to put so many 15 mils or eight mils uh, per liter of water, cut that in half. So go down to four mils or whatever it says, uh, half of that, and then that that uh, then that will be better because uh, one thing you got to watch. That's why I always say that you want to make sure you have at least four waterings between your fertilizings at least, because you don't want to build up the salts. This, a lot of fertilizers are are, are based out of uh, salt products, so the salts will build up in your pots, especially if you don't water thoroughly, where you water through the top and the water comes right out through the bottom of the pots. Uh, you'll get a salt buildup, and then you'll get some root damage, and then you'll start noticing that on the the leaves as, leaves as well. Um, another thing people always tell me this time of the year is that they they do notice, and then start looking the, looking at the plants, especially after Christmas, that they lo- notice little brown tips on their on their plants. And so, one thing I remember to do, and if, if with that case, is that usually when you get brown tips, it has to do with what's happening at the root system, and it's usually either mean too wet or too dry. But number one is your water source. So if you're using well water, if you're out in the country, it might be high on magnesium or something that's high in iron, might be high in iron. Uh, so also in the cities, it might have 
chlorine or something in the water or something that, that they're using to, to, um, to, to clean the water with. So the best thing to do is this time of the year is just take some, get some snow from outside, bring it inside and let it melt and let it get up to room temperature and use that water. Uh, there's lots of minerals in that and lots of micronutrients in that as well. Uh, you can also use filtered water. Uh, as people have reverse osmosis, you can use that as well. But you remember, reverse osmosis takes out everything again. So you're losing all those little micronutrients out of your out of your um, water as well. So make sure that you are adding in. You definitely need a fertilizer if you're using the reverse osmosis because you're not giving it any extra little micronutrients as well. So very important and um, to do that and. Uh, then you'll have the best success for your plants inside. So all that brings us to the end of this show. Uh, thank you for joining me, and I hope you have a great new year. And, uh, we'll, and we'll see you next week here on Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Davendijk. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.